where do great ideas come from? How can I hack my brain to get into creative flow? How do I flick the switch and get ideas on demand? How do I build a workplace culture that oozes creativity? I'm your host, Nicole Velik, head ideas girl at innovation and creativity company, The Ideas Bodega. We're going to dive into all facets of creativity. Welcome to Creativity Unpacked. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creativity Unpacked with me, Nicole. I am in my home studio today with my little puppy, Bossa, sitting next to me. And um, today I'm going to talk to you about one of my absolute favorite topics, which is creative confidence. And we're also going to be looking at some myths around creativity. And I'm going to dispel the biggest myth around creativity. And that is that some people are just born with it and some are not. And that creativity is reserved for a few chosen people, those lucky ones, and the rest of us just did not get the creative stick. And that is absolutely not true. So today I'm going to dispel that myth. I'm going to give you three ways to boost your creative confidence and I'm really excited to get into it. The reason I have chosen to start with creative confidence is that I can share all the tools and techniques and all the processes for creativity. And when I go into companies, that's what I do. But what I notice is that when there is an underlying issue around creativity where someone thinks they're not very creative, they don't really have much confidence, whether this is conscious or subconscious, you know, you can teach all the techniques, but that person who is coming into a brainstorm thinking they're not very creative, well, they're not really going to be sharing their ideas. They're not really going to be the the one jumping to go, yeah, I'd love to come to that brainstorm. And they're not going to be really expressing themselves creatively because there's some kind of underlying fear or underlying limiting belief that they are not creative. So let's dive in. I always start by talking about a study that was done. Now, it was a fantastic study that some scientists did where they wanted to know at what age humans were at their creative best. And so what they did is a longitudinal study. Now, what that means is that they started with one age group. So they started with a few thousand five-year-olds and then they study the same people as they progress. So they then study them five years later at age 10 and another five years later at age 15. So they started this study with these five-year-olds and what they did was they observed them play, they took a whole lot of notes and they asked them some very specific questions. Now they didn't ask the kind of questions that had a yes or a no or a right or wrong answer. They really asked the kind of questions that would test that creative part of the brain, that would test that what we call divergent thinking part or lateral thinking part, that creative ability. They also observed them play. So the kind of questions were things like, what are the similarities between a cucumber and a pineapple? And kind of these random things that didn't have that yes or no, right or wrong answer. So then five years later, they studied them again at age 10 and then again at age 15. During the study, there was an adult control group. Now, the results of this study are absolutely mind-blowing and pretty shocking, to be honest. So 
the results are that at age five, 98% of those kids, those five-year-olds, were at what they called genius level when it came to their creative ability. Now, you might be thinking, wow, <laughs> that is not the shocking part. Not at all. Um, that is completely expected. If any of you have kids or nieces or nephews or you're around small children, you really only have to be around little kids to see how incredibly creative they are. I mean, they absolutely ooze creativity. Every single thing they do is creative. So that result was not surprising to me at all. But what was surprising is that at age 10, that fell down to 30%. I mean, that is a massive jump, right? From 98%, now we're playing around 30% within only five years. And then at age 15, that number halved to around 15%. So again, like that's pretty shocking. And the other thing is that the adult control group and kind of the bad news for all of us is that the adult group, only 2% were functioning at what they called that genius level, that really, really high level of creativity. And so this study is pretty fascinating and it really does tell us something. And that is that we are all born with this creative genius ability. So almost like this baby creative Einstein, right? Like we're all born with this creative ability inside us. And then it really begs the question. And the question is, well, what is going on? Like, What the hell is going on when at age five, 98% are at this genius level and only five years later, that's dropping down to say around 30%. And so when you look at those figures, then you have to have a look and see, well, what is going on in a child's life between the ages of five and 10? And so whenever I Uh, ask this question, people will always say the same thing. So they'll say, well, you know, when you grow up, you learn rules and you start being told, you know, what's right and what's wrong. You start being aware of yourself. You start being less confident. And so all of those things are absolutely right. But then my next question is, and so where does that all happen? Like what happens at age five? And all of a sudden, everyone gets it. And they're like, ah, school. So absolutely, school is the culprit. So at school, we're taught that there's a yes and a no, and there's right and wrongs, and there's rules, and there's coloring inside the lines, ways to act that are appropriate and ways that are not appropriate. And so all of that is really not great for our creativity. And then the other question that I always ask, and it doesn't matter where I ask this question in the world, but I will always get the same answer. And that is, if you think back, so for those of you listening, think back, and I want you to remember, you know, when you were at school, okay? For some of us, that's a very long time ago, but I want you to think back. Now, when you were at school, which subjects were creativity? And whenever I ask this question, everyone will tell me, three things. And it's always the same anywhere in the world. And that is art, drama, and music. And they are the main subjects that are creativity, right? When it comes to school. So therein lies the problem because as kids, um, when you're not great and excelling at these rudimental artistic things, 
you're pretty much told you're not creative. So if you think back, you know, when you're five or six years old, you're told to colour in and you've got to stay within the lines. And so let's say that day you were just feeling really expressive and you wanted to go all over the page. Well, that was wrong. Okay. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not that creative. Okay. That wasn't right. Or your first taste of music is playing the recorder. I remember in year two, we played the recorder and I was really bad at it. And so if you're a child who does not excel at these very rudimental artistic things, you are pretty much told that you are not creative or it is inferred that you're not creative and you're kind of pushed maybe towards other things and, you know, told not to do art. But the main thing is that you're told you're not creative. And therein lies a huge problem because we are growing up in a system, in a school system, and all of us, and this is a global problem, that we're growing up in a system that says that creativity equals the arts. And it absolutely doesn't. I mean, yes, there is creativity in the arts, But if you think about it, we need creativity so badly in so many areas in the world right now. Look at the problems going on politically, with the environment, with God, like you name that every single industry in business, in law, in politics. We need so much creativity to solve problems and to evolve. And so when there are a lot of people in our society that think they're not creative, they're not going to apply themselves and they're not going to be helping to solve these problems. So that is a really big issue. And so what I always do in my workshops, and I'm going to ask you the listener to do this now, is I want you to think back and try to think about when you were at school or when you were a kid, um, what was your story around creativity? So As kids, we're incredibly vulnerable and we have what we call, and this is very dramatic, but we have these creativity killers. I didn't make up that term and comes from a book called The Artist's Way. It's a brilliant book on rediscovering your creativity by an amazing woman called Julia Cameron. So I encourage you to do this book. It's a 12-week course in rediscovering your creativity. And in the book, she does talk about these creativity killers. Now, a creativity killer, you might be asking, that's very dramatic, and who is that? And did that happen to me? Yes, it did. And I can tell you it was a parent or it was a teacher. And creativity killers can do their damage in one sentence. So it can be a teacher that just said, oh, you didn't do that right. Or, you know, maybe the teacher told everyone else that their work was great and not yours. It can be the tiniest, the tiniest little thing. I remember someone telling me the other day that in choir they were told to mime and so they have absolute fear around singing in public and they'll never sing. And actually she has a great voice. I have heard her sing, um, but she just has this incredible fear around singing because the choir teacher told her to mime um, <laughs> when she was in choir. And I'm laughing, but it's actually a terrible thing and this kind of thing happens all the time to kids. And so – It's usually a teacher, a person in authority, but often it's parents as well. Specifically, I can give you an example. In my family, I have an older sister who is incredibly creative, incredibly artistic. I mean, so much so that, you know, when we were kids, she was so creative and so artistic that she was branded the creative one. And even though I too was very creative, 
my parents wanted me to be the business one because I guess they wanted one of their kids to be the sensible one and the one that would make a bit of money. And it's interesting because it's no accident that I ended up working in advertising because what is advertising? It's a perfect mix between business and creativity. And my sister, who's a bit older than me, ended up being a Foley artist. And so you can imagine my parents when, you know, she was in year 12 saying she wanted to be a Foley artist. A Foley artist is someone who does all the post-production sound in a film. So the person who redoes all the footsteps and all the noises to give the film that extra sound effect. Now, there's probably six or so Foley artists in the whole of Australia. And my sister was like, well, I'm going to be one of them. You know, so that's how kind of far out she was with her creativity. So therefore I was branded the business one. And so what happens is our creativity gets kind of slowly chipped away by these little comments, chipped away, chipped away by these experiences until as adults, it gets so bad that there are some people who come into my creative workshops. One of the courses I run is our degeneration masterclass. And I'll often have people come up to me before the training and they'll say, they'll kind of whisper to me, like they're a little bit embarrassed and they'll say, you know, Nicole, I'm really sorry. I'm not sure why I've been sent on this training today because I do not have a creative bone in my body. I always say, don't worry, it's, it's fine. Just, you know, sit down, relax, and, and you're going to discover that you do actually have one. Um, but it's that bad where people honestly believe that there is no hope and they're not creative at all. And so we all kind of have a story about our creativity. And I always encourage people to look back into their past and try to identify, say, at least three moments where you experienced a creativity killer. And for a lot of people, it might be that you're remembering something or a moment that you haven't thought about since it happened. You may not have thought about this moment in 30 years. It can be a very, very long time. But it's important to understand where our relationship to our creativity comes from. Some people might have been quite lucky that they were nurtured into their creativity. So even though I had some negative experiences, I also had some positive experiences, which were really great for me. My grandparents were artists. And so I remember one day specifically my sister and I going to my grandmother's house and she sat us down with a canvas and on an easel and oil paints. And we had to do some still life painting. And I remember we were painting flowers in a vase and it was such a, a amazing experience because these were some very professional and expensive materials. And so for a small child to be trusted with oil paints was such a beautiful experience. And I remember thinking that, oh, I must be creative. I must be good if I'm being trusted with these expensive materials. And so that was a moment that stuck with me my whole life. And so I think some of us have had positive and negative at some really just negative, but I do encourage you to try to find at least three of those moments, whether they're positive or negative. And if they are negative, and if you are someone who has a pretty bad relationship to your creativity and, and low confidence when it comes to your creativity, then the good news is, is that when you look back as an adult and you look at that moment, you can see it in a completely different perspective. And you look back and you think, okay, Mrs. Giebler in year one, was she really worthy of chipping away my creativity? And you'll probably look back and go, no, absolutely not. She wasn't. 
And the great thing is that we have the chance to rewrite our story and rewrite the story so that we can be more confident and we can be confident going into the brainstorms or picking up a musical instrument or whatever it is, how you want to express yourself creatively. I think opening up that door is fantastic. And I think it's an absolute human right to be creative. And if you look at humans compared to other animals, one of the biggest differences is this ability to express ourselves and to come up with ideas and to actualize ideas. And so I think we owe it to ourselves to really look at our story when it comes to our creativity and rewrite that story. A beautiful experience I had was I was doing a training with Ogilvy and I remember specifically a woman when we had this discussion in the beginning about creativity, she told me a story and it was very, very interesting. And she said that when she was a small child, so in primary school, she was a brilliant creative writer. She was very, very good at creative writing. And she was so good that at parent-teacher night, her teacher actually told her parents that she had been plagiarizing her work because she couldn't possibly be that good. And this is just a travesty. Like this is just such a terrible story. And so you can imagine she got in really big trouble. And so what she made that mean was that creativity was bad. And when I'm creative, I get in trouble. So she was never creative for the rest of her life. And it's really interesting because she became a journalist and she studied journalism. So she went on with the writing because she was a brilliant writer, but she left the creative part behind. And after having like, I guess this awakening in the workshop, she then really embraced her creativity. And I met up with her months later and it was such a beautiful thing because she told me that she had started writing kids' stories. So now she was bringing the creativity back and she wasn't just doing journalism, which was factual, but she was actually starting to write kids' books. And some of those books have now been published. So it's such a beautiful story and I really like sharing that story because we can rewrite that story and the way that we look at our own creativity. So I do encourage everybody to do that. That's definitely one thing you can do is really look at your story and your confidence around your creativity and look back into your past. The second thing you can do is what I call nurture your neoteny. So neoteny is probably my favorite word. It means the childlike quality that exists within all humans. And I always say it's the the difference between childlike and childish. So I'm not talking about being childish. I'm talking about being childlike and really embracing that childlike quality. And for some of us, it's been pushed down for years. And I really encourage people to get in touch with that creative child. And so how can you do it? There's a few ways. One is to engage in play. I find that playing games, whether it's, you know, we're in lockdown at the moment. So play Pictionary. There's a whole lot of different online games that that you can find to test your creativity. If you have kids, just play with your kids. That's the number one, you know, way to kind of get your childlike behavior back. 
do new things. Something that is really speaks to me is the ability to be crap at something. I think that when we have professional lives, there's not much room for mistakes and there's not much room to be crap. And I always say the best way to embrace your creativity is to try a new thing and be crap at it. A few years ago, my sister bought me tap shoes and she's really great at tap dancing. The same sister that's the Foley artist also is a tap dancer. So she really wanted me to come tap dancing with her. And so I went to these classes and I just felt like such an idiot, like I couldn't do anything. But you know what? It was actually really fun and it was really freeing to just allow myself to do something that I'm really crap at. And I think that is one way that we can definitely embrace this neoteny and embrace this childlike quality. So find something that is new, that's creative, a new skill, something that's not commercial, something that you're not going to try to make money off of, literally something just to fuel and spark your creativity. And then a really easy thing is just expose yourself to new things. And that might be as simple as walking a different way. At the moment in Sydney, we're in lockdown. We can only go five kilometers, but there's still so much. Yesterday, I went a different way that I would normally go. I ended up in a beautiful park that was just so inspiring. So walking down a new street and there's so many different online classes as well. One of the things that I used to do before COVID, I would travel a lot and I would find myself at the airport and I was always early and I'd have time to kill. So I made it a habit that I would go into the news agency at the airport and I would pick up a magazine, but I would force myself to pick up a magazine that was like the most disinteresting to me, a magazine that I would never in a hundred years pick up. That would be the one that I'd force myself to pick up. And what I would do is I would open it and I would think about a challenge that either I was facing or one of my clients was facing and I would try to come up with ideas by using this magazine as inspiration and stimulus. So I remember specifically one time picking up a trucker magazine. Yes, a magazine all about trucks. And I actually landed a great idea for a client and I told them and then I told them how I got it and they just couldn't believe that I had gotten that idea from a trucking magazine. So exposing yourself to new things, being a curious person is definitely one way to inspire yourself and to, you know, nurture this neoteny that I'm talking about. Another thing you can do if you really want to feel what it's like um, to have a beginner mind and to be childlike is to do something in your less dominant hand. So an easy one might be brushing your hair or brushing your teeth, like just putting the toothbrush in the other hand and just seeing how unco you feel um, is a really great way to do it. Or draw a picture and put your pen in the other hand. For me, I play guitar and if I flip my guitar upside down and put my, you know, that the other hand on the strings and the other hand strumming, it feels really awkward and, again, it's just a really nice way to activate that childlike quality in that beginner's mind. So definitely try some of those things out. Now, the third thing I would say to help kind of get your creative confidence back 
is realizing that we all have this little evil voice in our head that tells us we're no good, that tells us our ideas are crap and that stops any of our creativity seeing the light of day. We all have it. And when when you start noticing that voice, you can actually shut it down and you can do something about it. I remember once having a coach who told me to name that voice and um, I think I might have called her Veronica. I don't know. But anyway, it was um, just whenever that voice came up that said, no, that idea is crap. I would just have to, you know, shut it down. And so a really good way to do this is to understand the creative process. And the creative process is that we have the divergent process and then we have the convergent process. Okay. And what happens often is we're diverging and converging at the same time. And that's where this little evil voice is telling us that our ideas are crap. So a nice way to explain this is to ask if you were to drive a car with a foot on the brake and a foot on the accelerator at the same time, where would you go? Now, the obvious answer is you would go nowhere. And that's exactly what happens when it comes to our creativity. Like, so we would never drive a car like that But this is exactly what happens. Let's say you were in a brainstorm. Someone says, hey, I've got an idea. So that's like foot on the accelerator. We're going. And then straight away someone says, no, we don't have the budget for that. Foot on the brake. And then someone says, how about this? Foot on the accelerator. And then someone says, oh, no, the client will never buy that idea. Foot on the brake. So we're constantly in this state of go, stop, go, stop, go, stop. And then all of a sudden time's up. The brainstorm's finished. And we just end up rehashing ideas from the past. And then we wonder why we never get any new ideas. And it's because we're not following the correct creative process. What we need to realize is that there are two distinct phases when it comes to creativity and you need to separate them. So one is divergent and one is convergent. So if you're in a brainstorm, you are in divergent mode. But it's equally as important when you're doing any kind of creative task to give yourself the divergent time. So for me, I'm a songwriter. So it's really important for me to sit down and say, okay, at least for the next half hour, I am only going to write and I'm not allowed to judge any of what I write or my ideas. Otherwise I get frustrating and that little evil voice kicks in and tells me it's crap and I put the guitar down and I walk away and nothing ever gets finished. So We need to give ourselves a set time for when we're being creative and when we're diverging. But then equally, we need that time to converge. So convergent thinking is when we can be analytical and when we can judge and tease the ideas and cull the ideas and build a kind of half-baked idea into a big and grand idea, right? And now, especially if you're using your creativity in a commercial sense, because at the end of the day, your ideas need to be creative, but they also need to be effective, right? They need to hit your clients, you know, uh, criteria, they need to be on brand, they need to be, you know, marketable. So it's really important that that convergent process happens, but it has to happen after. And it's the same way, you know, for me, if I'm writing a song, whatever I come up with at first, it might not be that great, but then I can finesse it and I can make it better, but I'm not finessing it at the same time as I'm writing. So again, giving yourself that time to diverge, and then converge is a really important part of the process. And so that when you're in the brainstorm or when you're in that divergent mode, you're not allowed to judge ideas, right? When that little voice comes up and says, oh, that's crap, 
you know, you have to shut it down. Okay. And just give yourself the freedom to come up with any kind of ideas. And one of the things that I do when I'm facilitating a brainstorm session is I say to people, give me five of your crappest ideas right now. And so often they actually will then all of a sudden give me a lot of ideas because I've asked for crap ideas. So there's no pressure for them to come up with great ideas. And the funny thing is often those ideas are not bad at all. It's just the freedom that they had because everyone is worried that their idea is not going to come out brilliant when it falls out of their mouth. But we also really need to understand that that is not how creativity works. This brilliant idea is not just going to fall out fully fledged idea. It doesn't just come out. I always say ideas come out a little bit like a baby giraffe which sounds kind of crazy, but if you have ever been on a safari and seen a giraffe being born, if you're lucky enough to experience that, or maybe you've seen a David Attenborough documentary, then what you will know is that a giraffe kind of drops out. Like when a giraffe is born, it is literally drops out and then it's very lanky. It can't walk straight away. It takes a bit of time until it finds its feet and it can actually start walking. Now ideas are exactly the same, okay? They come out, they're a little bit lanky and we need to clean them up. We need to, you know, finesse them, but it takes time. We're not just going to kill the baby giraffe because it doesn't come out walking. So (laughs) ideas are exactly the same as that. The other important thing that I want to note is that sometimes the most crazy ideas end up being brilliant. And sometimes you might sit in a brainstorm and someone comes up with this like insanely, what you think is a very stupid or crazy idea. You need to let that idea percolate, right? Because often crazy ideas lead to brilliant ideas. A very nice example of this, think about an ATM. If you think back many, many years ago, if you're old enough, you will know that before ATMs, you had to go inside the bank to withdraw cash. So you had to stand in a line, you had to fill out a withdrawal slip, you had to show ID, and you would then go to the teller and they would hand over the cash. But then all of a sudden, can you imagine that someone said, hey, instead of that process, let's just put these big boxes on the street outside of the bank and we're going to fill them up with tens of thousands of dollars of cash. So that idea would have sounded completely ludicrous when it was first thought of. And yet there are now ATMs in pretty much most cities in most countries in the world. And so sometimes those crazy ideas end up being brilliant ideas. There is that beautiful quote that stupidity is the mother of invention. And so if you think your idea is stupid or someone else's idea is stupid, just learn to bite your tongue because it could actually just be the next brilliant idea. So those are three tips in how you can increase your creative confidence. So again, just to recap, think back, try to identify your creativity killers and rewrite your story, rewrite your creative story so that you can get more confidence when it comes to your creativity. The second one is nurture your neoteny, ignite that childlike quality that you've got inside. And the third one is learn to shut down that little evil voice um, that wants to judge and understand the creative process that we need to have a divergent mode and a convergent mode. And so I hope that you um, have enjoyed this episode and go forth and make some epic stuff. All right. See you later. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. To make sure that you never miss an episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe. And while you're there, please leave me a quick rating and review. I hope that you have found this episode inspiring and taken something out of it to help you get creative. If you do, let me know. Until next time. Bye.